Coastal. My name is Shayla. I am Pastor TJ's wife. And normally I'm over at our Pompano Beach campus because I help to, to lead that campus over there. But I'm always super excited to come back and get to share with you guys some of the things that God's doing in my own life and sharing with me in my own life. And so anytime TJ comes to me, and I think he knows this, and I think he plays this game with me because I think when he needs a break from preaching, he knows I won't say no. So he's like, hey, Shayla, so like two weeks from now, I think I need a break. You know, so, seriously? But see, he knows how incredible I am because I always hear God and I've always got something great going on inside of me. And so, you know, you guys get to hear about that this week. Thank you. Thank you. Well, how many of you guys are like me and you're facing some things in your life, some difficulty, some challenges? Maybe sometimes you just, you just kind of want to quit. Yeah, two people. Great. Okay, half of you. Awesome. Well, this is, message is going to relate to you guys. I want to give you guys some encouragement. If you're facing this time in life where you're discouraged, you're overwhelmed, you're facing some challenges and some difficulties in your life, I just want to bring some encouragement to you this morning. Some things that God has kind of done in my own life through observation over these last few months, actually throughout this year. And it's just coming from for me, every time, a very raw place of something that God's doing inside of me. And actually, probably about three months ago, I went back in Coastal Kids, and I was checking out our K through third grade room. And it's funny, because I just want to go back there and hang out, see how things are going, kind of make sure everybody's doing a good job. And I'm sitting there, and these kids are crazy. If you have kids in the K through third grade room, I don't know what you feed them before they get here, but they are like bonkers in there. And so I'm in there and I'm watching these kids just like looking around and like, oh my gosh, what are we doing? And they're just like, you know, I, you don't even think they're paying attention. And then it came to the time where they were like reflecting on the week previously and they were asking questions about um, what they learned. And almost all of the kids could come back and be like, oh yeah, this is what I learned. And I was like, it doesn't even seem like you're paying attention. Like, how did you remember that? Well, this week that I was back there, they have something, actually every week they have something called the big answer. And parents, when you go pick your kids up from kids ministry, if they're in the K through third grade room or they're in the fourth through sixth grade room, you can ask them, what was the big answer? And they should be able to tell you what they learned that day. Now, if they can't remember, maybe they should ask you, what's the big answer from main service? And see if you've really been paying attention. So this, this week, the big answer for that week was this. No more whining and complaining. It's time to grow up. And I was like, I would want my kid to know that. You know, we come in here and we just kind of are whining and complaining about life. And I learned a lot that day. Because I don't know about you guys, but we can go through life and we can just get so bogged down with what's happening and just so discouraged by what's going on around us. And if you have kids, you understand that, you know, you tell them in the morning, you need to go get dressed for school. And what do they say? But I don't want to. Well, listen. If you want to go to school and you want to make friends and you don't want people to laugh at you and you want to have a good reputation at school, you have to get dressed so that you can kind of fit in, so that you're not made fun of, you know, all that stuff. So I know you don't want to, 
But in order to get the result that you want, you have to do some things that you don't want to do. Now, hello, as adults, maybe we're like, oh, I want to plan for retirement. But then it comes to like saving and not spending in your everyday life, and you're like, but I don't want to. But the reality is if we want to get the results that we want at the end of our life, then guess what? We have to do some things that we don't want to do in the present moment in order to get the result that we want to get. And so this idea of no more whining and complaining, it's time to grow up. I kind of took in my own life and I was looking at my own life and saying, man, there's a lot of things that I'm kind of whining and complaining about right now. And I started telling myself, Shayla, it's time to grow up. And I think as we're walking through these seasons, we need to realize it's time to just keep moving forward. It's time to stop looking at our circumstances and trying to figure out how we can fix them or change them and whining about them. And it's time to just grow up. How many of you guys love instant gratification? Yes, most of us. All of us? Okay, well, I'm an instant gratification person. I want it to happen right away. But that's not really how life happens, is it? So a couple, probably about a month or so ago, I came to TJ because he really loves to do CrossFit. But we were in this season where, like, we were like, you know what, we just got to save some money and CrossFit can get expensive. And so we just, we just kind of got a regular gym membership and we're going to save up for a while. And so I had saved up pretty well, and I didn't really tell TJ that I was saving, but I was because I wanted him to have this outlet. I wanted him to be able to do this. And so I went to him, and I said, hey, TJ, I saved up enough money that you can start going to CrossFit again. And you guys, no lie, he looked straight at me, and he goes, could I just get lipo instead? I was like, what? Instant gratification. I don't want to work. I don't want the work to get there. And in life, the, the reality is a lot of us have dreams. A lot of us have hopes. A lot of us have things that God has dropped inside of us. Plans that we have for our future. But right now, we're sitting around and we're just waiting for it to happen. And we're saying, why? Isn't this happening? But God, you said this. But God, you said I would lead worship in front of the thousands. God, you said I was going to stand on the stage and speak. God, you said that I was going to manage a multi-million dollar company. God, it's, it's my hope to get married. It's my hope to have a family. It's my hope. God, you said these things would happen. And you can fill in the blank in your own life of what that is for you. But nothing seems like it's happening. And here's the deal. A lot of us have hopes, dreams, even God-given dreams. But in order for those things to happen, there is a process that God takes us through. There's a process that is so important to make us who we need to be when we step into those things. And I think sometimes it's not necessarily about the destination as much as it is about the process that God's taking you through. And if you do not embrace the process, you will miss the point. 
If you don't embrace the place that he has you in right now, you will miss the point of who he is making you, who he is creating you to be in the moment when you step into those things. And we want to skip the hard part and we just want to get to the place where God has us or wants us to be. See, it's the process that refines us. It's the process that builds character. It's the process that makes us into the person that can lead that company, that can be the best parent, that can be the best husband, the best wife, that can be the best pastor or ministry leader. It's the process. And if you don't embrace the process, you will miss the point. It is all about who we're becoming in that process. See, here's the thing that I know about God. He is in the resume building business. He's always using our past experiences to prepare us for future opportunities. But those God-given opportunities, here's the deal, they often come as challenges. And how we react when we encounter those challenges will determine where we end up. And we can cower, and we can be fearful, and we can run away from those greatest challenges. Or we can chase those things down and realize that they are opportunities for us to learn and to grow and to become the person that he ultimately wants us to end up to be. It's a process. And I want to talk to you guys today about one of my absolute favorite people in the Bible, and that's David. And we're going to talk about David before he became the king of Israel. And why I love David so much is because he was always fully present in every season of his life. He was always fully present and aware of what God wanted to do in him in those moments as he was getting ready to become king. See, David started off as a shepherd, but he ended up a king. But there was a really long process to make a shepherd a king. And when David was somewhere between the ages of 10 and 13, there was a prophet who God had spoke to named Samuel. And God told Samuel that he was going to go to the house of Jesse, who was David's father, and he would there find the next king of Israel. And so Samuel goes, and he goes to Jesse's house, and Jesse has eight sons, and David is the youngest. Well, David's out in the pasture tending to the, te- to the sheep. He's like a shepherd. And Jesse brings in his seven oldest sons but leaves David out in the field. And he's like, surely he can't be the one. And so Samuel comes, and he looks at, at all the brothers, and they one by one, they're lined up there. They're all cleaned up. And one by one, they came through. And Samuel not one time hears, yes, this is the one. And so Samuel looks at Jesse and he's like, are you sure this is all your sons? And Samuel's like, or Jesse's like, well, there is one more. But he's, you know, he's out in the field. He's tending to the sheep. And this is, this is what it says in 1 Samuel 16, 10 through 13. It says, in the same way, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, 
The Lord has not chosen any of these. Then Samuel asked, are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse replied, but he's out in the field watching the sheep and the goats. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down to eat until he arrives. So Jesse sent for him. He was dark and handsome. Ooh, girl. With beautiful eyes. And the Lord said, this is the one. Anoint him. So David stood there among his brothers. Samuel took the flask of oil and brought that he had brought and anointed David with oil. And the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. Then Samuel returned to Ramah. See, if I was David, I'd be like, you left me out there in the field. And guess what? This dude said, I'm the future king. Bow down. Mm-hmm. You made me stay out there. Everybody, I'm the future king. But David didn't do that. David, this was when he was 10 to 13 years old. David does not become king until he's 30. There was a process that David had to go through to become king, to become the person that God had created him to be, to walk in the destiny that God had for his life. And the same is true for you. He has given you something. He has given you purpose. He's given you a destiny. But there is a process that it's going to take for you to become the man or the woman that God has created you to be. And a lot of us think, well, God has this plan for my life. He's given me a promise. I don't understand. Why isn't this happening? I mean, it's been five days. It's been a week. Why isn't this happening? And see, as David grew throughout his life, he took on many different roles in different seasons. And I believe it was because God was preparing the future king. He played a harp in the presence of Saul when Saul's soul was tormented. He, I mean, everybody's heard the story of David and Goliath. God was preparing David. He was setting him in front of giants to defeat the giants. He was a commander in Saul's army. He was Saul's armor bearer, the man that Saul went to for everything. He was a friend. God took him through many different spaces in order to make the man that he wanted him to be. At one point in David's life, He found himself in the wilderness, hiding out in caves and fleeing for his life. Now here's a guy who was anointed to be the next king of Israel, yet he's hiding in the wilderness, fearing for his life. Future king, and he's hiding in caves? He's in the wilderness, he's in this desperate place, and maybe that's how you feel right now. Maybe you feel like your life is in the wilderness that things are crashing down all around you, and you know the things that you have in your heart, but in front of you, you just don't see how that could ever happen. And I want to remind you that it's not over yet. 
God is still working his plan. He's still refining. He's still changing. And there are a lot of things that God used to build David to become king. In Acts 13, 22, it says, after he removed him, he's talking about Saul, it says he raised up David to be their king, concerning, he, concerning whom he testified, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart, who will do all my will. See, God knew when he saw David, when he chose David, he said, this is a man after my own heart because David was present in every season that he was in. He was learning, he was growing, he was developing, he was embracing the season he was in. And if God felt that way about David, what can we learn from his life so that we can begin to walk in that process? And I think here's the first thing that we need to learn is that we need to learn to go to God first. You know, I think so many times this is just the, the nonchalant, the casual answer of like, I need to learn to take things to God. But the truth is, we really need to make this a practice in our life. We really need to look to God for the answers that only he can give. Because we might cry out to God and say, oh God, help me, I just don't know how to get out of this. But we still try to work in our circumstances so many times. And my prayer is this, Lord, help me to see this as an opportunity and not a personal inconvenience. Because so many times in life and those circumstances that we're in, we can look at them like inconveniences. But those very things are the things that God is using to refine and to change and to develop inside of us. David cried out to God in Psalms 47, 4 and 5. This is David crying out and saying, I'm asking God for one thing and one thing only. To live with him in his house my whole life long. I'll contemplate his beauty. I'll study at his feet. That's the only quiet and secure place in a noisy world. And the perfect getaway. Far from the buzz of traffic. And I think our lives are so noisy and we're so surrounded with our circumstances and fear and worry and anxiety. And David got it right. David's like, there's just one thing that I need to do and I just need to get alone with my father. And when you are overwhelmed with the cares and the things of this world, the first place that you should run is to God. Because it's in God that you find peace. It's in God that you find comfort. It's in God that you find safety. It's in God that you find wisdom. It's in God who find, you find the answers that you need for every circumstance. And we need to stop looking within ourselves and begin to go to God first. In Matthew 6, it says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Notice it doesn't say he's going to give you everything you want. It says he'll give you everything that you need. Listen, he is right there waiting. He's saying, I see your situation. I see your circumstances. And I promise I am moving, but I need you to look to me. I need you to consult me. I need you to allow me to bring peace and hope and comfort. 
In Hebrews 12, 2 and 3, it says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, considered him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you would not grow weary and lose heart. He said, look, I understand, I get it, I've been through it. I've been beaten, I've been bruised, I've been tormented, I've been slandered by people. I understand it, and the reason that I went through it all is because right now and whatever you're going through, so that you will not lose hope. One thing that I love about David, and this is one of my absolute favorite verses, he was in such a desperate place, hiding out in the wilderness. And he wrote this in Psalms 43, 5. And David's talking to himself. He's saying, why, my soul, are you so downcast? Why are you so disturbed within me? And then he commands himself to do something different. He said, look, David, put your hope in God. For I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. He's saying, look, I might be in this place But I need to tell myself, come out of it. Get out of it. Put your hope where your hope needs to lie. You know, and I always remember this verse when I'm in a desperate place. I remember that I have to choose to worship God. I have to choose to put my trust in God. You know, there was a time in TJ and I's life many, many years ago. Some of you guys have have heard this story, but... We were struggling in life because we were trying to have kids and we just weren't getting pregnant and couldn't understand what is going on. It was just probably a year of just disappointment after disappointment after disappointment. And I remember getting so discouraged because I was like, God, I don't understand why this is happening. I'm doing everything. I'm in ministry. I'm living my life how... I feel like you want me to live it. Why is this not happening to me? And I was in this down and just discouraged place. And I remember we finally decided, okay, we're going we're gonna to go see what's, what's going on, what's wrong here. And we went to the doctor, and when we went through this series of tests, and we finally sat down with the doctor who had, like, the most horrible bedside manner of any doctor. He should probably not practice medicine because he was just kind of like, I don't know, it it was terrible. So we sit down, and basically he looks at the chart, and he looks over to us, and he goes, so basically there's about a 1% chance that you guys will ever have kids. And I was like, in that moment, I felt like every dream, every hope, every plan that I had had up till then was gone. And I remember TJ and I getting in the car that day. And I distinctly remember this. We got in the car and we looked at each other and we said, we have a choice. Right now we have a choice. We have a choice to let this define the outcome for our life or we have a choice to worship God through it. And we chose, we're going to worship God. So we got in the car. And we turned on the worship music and just started blaring the worship music and drove down I-75 
tears flooded down our face just worshiping God. And saying, God, I don't understand. My soul might be downcast. I might be disturbed. But I choose to put my hope in you. And I don't know who is out there today and you are facing a moment where you are in a desperate, discouraged, hopeless place. And today is the day when you need to say, I choose to worship God. I choose to trust God. I choose to place my hope in God. See, we gain perspective when we learn to go to God. So that we can do the next step, which is this. You have to embrace the season you're in. You have to be present right now in this moment. See, we can get so caught up in the future or even in what's not happening that we forget that these very moments right now and this moment right now is shaping our future. You know, not too long ago, I said to TJ, I was like, I'm so bored. Let's go out and do something different. And so we decide we're, we're going to go golfing. So any sport that I do, I think I, I need to be the best, okay? So I used to say that I wanted to be Tiger Woods, but he's not really good anymore. So I could probably actually be Tiger Woods. But so I get out there and I'm getting so frustrated because I'm hitting the ball and it's not going where I want it to go. And so I, I tell TJ when I, when I get up there, I'm like, okay, okay, TJ, I need you to watch my swing and tell me what I'm doing wrong. And, oh, he's thrilled about that because he's just so excited to tell me something I'm not doing right. And so and we get up there, and I'm, like, setting up, and, and I swing, and the ball, like, goes in a different direction than I want it to go. And I'm like, what did I do? And he's like, Shayla, what you're doing is you're not focused on the ball that's in front of you. You're trying to look up and to see where it goes before you even hit it. And it was like right in that moment I had this aha moment. Is that I do that so many times in life. I am not focused on doing what I need to do right now in order to get me the result that I want to get. And so many times we're so focused on where we want to be that we forget that this shot and this moment, it matters. This present season, it matters. This trial that you're in, it matters. Because God is teaching you, he's refining you, he's building something in you. And we need to get to this place where we're focused on the ball so that we can hit the right shot, so that we end up where we need to be. Because what happens is when I take my eye off the ball, my course changes. And if we don't learn to embrace the season we're in and be present in this season, you're going to miss something. In Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you the path to take. Here's something that God showed me recently that I want to share with you guys. Because so many times I say, God, I'm not where I want to be. I'm not where I want to be. And he said, Shayla, you might not be where you want to be, 
but you're right where you need to be. And I think that's what he's saying to some of you today. You might not be where you want to be, but you're right where you need to be. Because God is doing something inside of you, even in your current situation, and you have got to embrace the season you are in. See, if you look at so many stories in the Bible and so many people that God used to accomplish great things, there was always a wilderness season. There was always a a silent season. With Abraham, with Moses, with David, with Jesus, every one of them went through a wilderness. And I think we can look in our life and we can feel like we're in a wilderness season. But the wilderness is not punishment, it's preparation. And there's a point where the wilderness ends. There's a point where you come out of it, but if you don't embrace your time in the wilderness, you're probably going to be there a little longer. It's important to embrace the season we're in. Don't miss it. God is preparing you for something. In Psalms 78, 70 through 72, it says this. It says, he chose David, his servant. He took him from the sheepfolds, from following the ewes that had young. And he brought him to shepherd Jacob, his people. And Israel, his inheritance. So he shepherded them according to the integrity of his heart and guided them by the skillfulness of his hand. See, even when David was a shepherd tending sheep, God was preparing a shepherd of a nation. See, if David wouldn't have been present in that moment, if he wouldn't have learned what it meant to be a shepherd just to those animals in what seemed like a desolate place, what seemed like an insignificant place was a place where God was preparing him to be king of Israel and to shepherd the chosen people. This season matters. And if we can learn to embrace this season, everything will begin to change. In Galatians 6, 9, it says this, Let us not grow weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. The key word there is do not give up. It says let us not grow weary in doing good. Let us not grow weary in our attitude of good. Let's not grow weary in the things that are before us. Because this says in due time, in the right time, when you're ready, when you've gone through that preparation, it says then you will reap a harvest. The third thing that we have to do is we have to be diligent in the season we're in. In Proverbs 21, 5, it says this. It says, the plans of the diligent lead surely to plenty. But those of everyone who is hasty, surely to poverty. See, the plans of the diligent, the plans of the ones that are present in that season and in that moment, the plans of the one that are seeing their situation differently, lead to plenty in our life. But when we're just trying to move through every season and pass through every day, it leads to poverty in our life, in our relationships, 
in Proverbs 22, 29, it says, Do you see a man who excels in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before unknown men. See, the verse doesn't say, do you see a man with great potential or charisma? It says, do you see the person that excels in his work? It doesn't say excels in his calling. What is before you right now in this season that you can do and you can do well? So that God can position you so that he can take you to the places that he wants you to end up. Proverbs 16.1 says, The preparation of the heart belongs to the man, and the answer of the tongue belongs to the Lord. Basically what that's saying is that we're to prepare. We're to be diligent in this season. So that at the end, God can do what he needs to do. You can be who he wants you to be. See, you might not be where you want to be, but you're right where you need to be. And I don't know what place you're in today. I don't know what your circumstances look like. But I know if you'll start looking to God, if you'll embrace the season that you're in right now, and if you will be diligent to work through it. We serve a God who's faithful. He will come through and he will come through every time. You know, I had a really rough start to the beginning of this year. And I felt like I was very much in this wilderness place. And I was looking at so many things in life and by life I mean ministry because that is most of my life. And I kept thinking, well, God, I thought things would be further along by now. Why is this a certain way? Why isn't this person doing this? Why isn't our church here? Why aren't we doing this? Why won't my brain turn off? So many different things were just flooding my mind and I just had all of these questions and I was feeling discouraged and overwhelmed. But what I realized is God was working out a bunch of stuff inside of me. And I was trying to tell God, but God, it's time for this season to be done. It's time for it to be over. I'm tired of working this hard. We've labored long enough. God, come on. We just want our breakthrough. And I remember leaning over to TJ and saying, do you think David felt this way when he was hiding in the wilderness and he knew he was supposed to be king? And I think a lot of us face that in our life as we feel like we're in a wilderness. We feel like we're in a desperate place. We feel like we're in a hopeless place. The true reality is, is God is just preparing you. What you think is a setback, God is really using as a setup. And if you will just embrace these moments, if you will just embrace these seasons, and if you will learn to be diligent to walk through them, 
God has something incredible on the other side. But when you're walking through the wilderness, if you stop, you will die in that place. And this morning, some of you may have given up hope. Actually, will you guys just bow your heads and close your eyes? Maybe you're out there and you've given up hope. Maybe your season and your situation has been really, really overwhelming and and you've just kind of lost hope and perspective. And if you're out there this morning and that's you, I want to pray for you. Pray for you to, to look at your situation differently. Pray for you to embrace this season and to see what God really wants to do inside of you and who he is making you to be. And if that's you today, and if, if you've lost hope or you're discouraged, will you slip up your hand? Yes, 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 thank you, thank you. Father God, we come before you and I thank you. Lord, that your word says that you are close to the brokenhearted. Lord, you want good things for us. You have good things for us. In Jeremiah, you tell us that your plans are for good, not to harm us, but to give us a hope and a future, Lord God. And I pray that right now in this moment and in this season, Lord God, that these people that are discouraged, these people that may have lost hope, Lord God, that you would give them new eyes to see their situation differently. That they would learn to embrace and to grow and to be diligent in this time. God, I thank you this morning that you bring a peace that passes all understanding, Lord God, and I pray that that peace would cover every life here. And that you would be the main source of their hope, of their encouragement, and that you would revive them today. In Jesus' name, amen.